You're listening to Skip Intro with me, Krista Smith. Welcome to Skip Intro. As you know, it's Krista Smith. I am your host. And this episode is going to be a very special episode and a first one for us. We are going to be doing a fall preview of all the good programs and films that are going to be coming out on Netflix. We've selected a few. And here to talk about those programs and films is Henry Goldblatt. Now, Henry was at Entertainment Weekly before. Uh, we kind of circled each other when I was at Vanity Fair. And he has come over as the executive editor of To Doom, which is Netflix's website that celebrates all of our programs and films and leans into the deep fandoms and joy on Netflix. So, Henry, welcome. Thank you so much, Krista. I am so happy to be here. And I recognize that I'm not nearly as A-list as your usual guest. So thank you so much, especially for having me. Great to do this. Uh, yeah, it's really exciting. I mean, we all obviously used to do this, all kinds of stuff in our old lives, we sure right? Did. Yeah. Where I, I think, you know, most journalists would spend countless hours talking about what are the films coming? Is this coming out now? When is it blah, 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 blah? And what's going to what film festivals? So obviously there was a lot to choose from. So... We picked three things, two films, one Glass Onion, which is directed by Ryan Johnson, and some may know as the director of a little known film called Knives Out. This is not the sequel, but it is taking that character and doing a whole other mystery, and that's called Glass Onion. Also, Noah Baumbach's new film, White Noise. And then, of course, everyone's favorite, at least mine, I don't know, we might have to throw down if it's not yours, The Crown. Oh, we're going to be on the same side of that bet. I adore The Crown. I'm so excited to talk about it with you. All right. So without further ado, let's get into Glass Onion. So Henry, tell me a little bit about what, what are we going to expect with this film? This film is super exciting. And again, Krista, as you said, like it takes it takes place in the same universe, but it's entirely different. It is in a tropical location as opposed to Massachusetts, where the first one was filmed. And just as a side note, I grew up in Massachusetts. I grew up right next to the towns where this first one was filmed. In fact, my first job out of college was at a little newspaper called the Middlesex News, which covered Natick. And Natick is the town that had the exterior of the first Knives Out mansion. So... I'm very familiar with the area. It was such a treat. And I feel like that film came out of nowhere to become this huge success. So I'm super excited for the second one. Right. Well, let's talk about that. Okay. First of all, I have a couple of questions. So mass hole, is that a real thing? <laughs> mass holes are real things, believe it or not. Yes. I'd like to think that I'm not one, but they absolutely are a real species. Right. So Chris Evans, right? Obviously what, what popped out of that film, it was enormously popular. And it was one of those, I agree with you, it felt like it kind of came out of the blue. And then everyone was like, have you seen? You have to see it. You have to see it. And it premiered at Toronto. And which is exciting is Glass Onion is going to premiere at Toronto That's as right. well. So that is really fun. But what's some of the takeaways like we know we had the the turtleneck sweater that we got from Chris Evans character who now I know I'm very relieved that a masshole and I think he probably is a masshole because didn't he grow up in uh, he sure did yeah mm-hmm. he sure did so what what can fans be look uh, on the lookout for for this film the locations are absolutely beautiful I don't want to give away exactly where it is but it's a tropical location it's absolutely gorgeous the cast is jam 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 packed and I think I think we talked about this a little bit beforehand Kate Hudson is just absolutely terrific it's my favorite role of hers in probably a decade. She just lights up the screen. And for me, she was one of the big standouts. The other thing that people should look for is this thing is packed full of cameos. Super, super excited.
exciting cameos. There's one in particular that's going to have the internet talking like crazy. So I'm really excited for it. All right. Let's talk about that cast a little bit, because obviously Daniel Craig comes back to reprise his role as Benoit Blanc. Sorry, I did the accent terribly. Forgive me, listeners. But you you know what I mean. Janelle Monet, Edward Norton. Kate Hudson, as you mentioned, Madeline Klein, Catherine Hahn, Dave Batista, Leslie Odom Jr., and that's not even mentioning all of the cameos. All the surprise cameos, which are going to have fans going crazy. Again, if you liked the first one, if you love Agatha Christie novels like Hercule Poirot and Miss Marple, you're just going to adore this film. Just sit down and be prepared for a whole bunch of surprises. It's always so good to have that kind of joy. You know, a lot of fall films can be super intense, and, and you know, and obviously the world we're living in is so topsy-turvy these days. I feel like something like this is going to be such a crowd pleaser and, and such a welcome film. Let's talk about Ryan Johnson because he's not only the writer, director, and producer of Glass Onion, but also of the entire Knives Out franchise. I mean, personally, I'm just so fond of Ryan Johnson and this crazy world we live in here in Hollywood and La La Land. I happen to be a guest at the Academy Awards Nominees Luncheon, which wow. is this amazing room where all the nominees come and they bring a guest and it's all scrambled. So you you don't sit with your filmmakers or, you know, you just don't know who you're going to sit next to. And I happen to, as a plus one, by the way, I'm a great plus one. <laughs> I was not nominated for an Oscar, but I was so happy because I got to sit next to Ryan Johnson. He was just so lovely so cool. and smart and cool. Also, his wife, Karina Longworth, is a podcaster. She has a brilliant show called You Must Remember This, which is all about old Hollywood. And I listened to it. I'm a devotee of it. And it was really great to sit next to him. And he was already cool because he was married to her. So he was winning then, regardless of his, his talent as, as a director. But I will say, in this town, you can meet all kinds of personalities. And I did love that he seemed so normal for such a giant mind. I love that. That's such a great story. And I also love the range of the films that he has worked on. You know, he, of course, he's done Knives Out, but he did one of the Star Wars ones as well, which is just like insane if you think about that scope. And I remember when I first sort of um, came to know him was with Looper, which is this crazy, crazy, crazy um, sci-fi futuristic. Joseph Gordon Love. Yeah. It. And I'm going to butcher it if I try to explain the premise. Like it's it's one of those memento type of premises that you just go down a rabbit hole, but it's really well done. And I recommend it to anybody who is looking for more on his work. Well, since Ryan Johnson did direct The Last Jedi, as you mentioned, let's talk quickly about Star Wars because I'm curious to hear your opinion. Henry, where do you stand on Star Wars? I know it's not a Netflix property, so we're not going to uh, focus on it too much. But I will say, the the I remember seeing the first one uh, as a kid. Yes, of course. And it's been interesting to see the different incarnations. But I would have to say, as a director, it's got to be a lot uh, to take on this franchise. But for my kids, they loved The Last Jedi because it pulled in the previous two Star Wars and wove it in kind of perfectly and, and obviously brought back Luke Skywalker. I mean, did you, uh, and I don't mean to put you on the spot here, but did you happen to watch Star Wars? Do you watch Star Wars? I'm not the biggest Star Wars fan, and I know that I'm going to get hate mail for it. The, I can tell you that the very, very first film I ever saw was the first Star Wars, and I saw that at the, a drive-in theater in Wellfleet, Massachusetts, and remember being in my parents' station wagon and thought how cool it was. At Entertainment Weekly, we covered Star Wars a lot, of course. Knives Out is far more my cup of tea, but I respect the filmmaking of course, enormously. Mm -hmm. 
Well, I'm going to do a really good through line here. So Last Jedi, Ryan Johnson, Adam Driver, we're going to bounce yes, right over. Nice. Good <laughs> to, one. To White Noise, which is the latest from Noah Baumbach, who previously, a couple of years ago, brought us Marriage Story, where Adam Driver was nominated for an Oscar for Best Actor, as was Scarlett Johansson. And you may remember that Laura Dern actually won for her role as Best Supporting Actress in Marriage Story. But we've got Noah back on the platform, and I'm really excited. It's a highly anticipated film because it's based on the 1985 book by Don DeLillo, which won the National Book Award and was later included on Time Magazine's all-time best 100 English language novels. So it's interesting that it hasn't been made into a film until now. But I believe that Noah Baumbach is the perfect person to do it. It's just everything that Noah has done in the past. You just see it all like coalesce so beautifully in this film. It's so much more and it's layered. And it's the biggest film he's ever done. There's a lot of scope to this film. And it completely pays off. You're, and I had not read the book. I will, obviously, no one's going to be so surprised here to learn that I have not read that book. <laughs> uh, but many people have. So I know there's going to be a lot of interest, and I, and I bet it's going to have a resurgence. I can imagine. It's really challenging source material from what I understand. And um, Noah Baumbach is really, really good at destroying marriages on screen, like <laughs> truly the best. He sort of came into my conscience in 2005 with The Squid and the Whale, which was a, sort of a portrait of the destruction of Jeff Daniels and Laura Linney's on-screen marriage. And I remember just leaving that and being gutted. And um, of course, Marriage Story that you mentioned, too, is uh, just a terrific film. And so I'm looking forward to seeing what he does with this particular married couple and how he just works his destructive magic on them. Absolutely. And I should mention that White Noise is opening the 79th Venice Film Festival. That's so exciting. Have you been to Venice before? You know, I have not been to Venice. Never been to that festival. I never have either. It looks gorgeous. Doesn't it look so glamorous? I mean, coming off the Lido and the red carpet. But you and I both know that probably a logistical nightmare once you're <laughs> of course <yeah. laughs> i imagine it's like trying to cover that event you're like you know running to and fro and you're instead you're taking a, a boat yeah but yeah no, it should be fabulous and it's a huge moment for that film and for noah and the cast and it's just incredible and then they are going to also open new york film festival oh so terrific it's a great moment for for white noise and i'm so happy for noah i mean the film is so good and i'm a big giant fan of his and i have to say i do love the fact that he's worked with Adam, you know, this will be their fifth collaboration. So that really says something, you know, when actors and auteurs want to work together again and again. And Do you remember when you saw Adam Driver for the first time on screen in Girls? Yes, I do. And tell me, tell me about that reaction. <laughs> what was so shocking about it is I had been raised on Sex and the City, right, which yeah. I love. And the Girls was suddenly like Adam Driver was like the leading man you never knew you needed. 100% agree. And then you just couldn't get enough of him. And and clearly, we all can't get enough of him. I mean, he's a very prolific actor. And he's just giant talent, a giant talent. But I think of him in, you know, Francis Ha and mm-hmm. When We Were Young. And, you know, you just think of the Myritz stories. I mean, he and Noah, it's like it's different every time. Well, speaking of Francis Ha, Greta Gerwig, who is, of course, Noah's partner and longtime collaborator, is co-starring once again with Adam Driver in White Noise. Let's just talk about the Noah and Greta collabs, okay? Like, for me, I feel 
Francis Ha is its own masterpiece. 100% agree. It's one of those films that I saw and it ca- I carried it with me for like months afterwards. And I never tire of seeing it. Anytime that it I can watch it, I will watch it. And I think about that scene that he was able to capture of Greta going across the street in New York. She was like dancing across the streets and just that feeling and that expression of confusion and wonder and excitement all at the same time. I mean, I'm just talking about it. I have full body chills. Is there any other actress, and I'm trying to think of another actress, who just sort of embodies New York more than she does? Like, I guess Natasha Lyonne does as well. But like, I think of New York and I think about Greta Gerwig. Which is deeply ironic because she's from Sacramento, I know, exactly. (laughs) But there's just something the way she sinks into that character. And I'm like, yes, that is is New York. I know she is. I love that film. And then obviously Greenberg, fantastic. It was a movie that, you know, I think we all fell in love with Greta Gerwig on that film, as Ben Stiller did in the making of it. You know, watching his character. Yeah. Who's this crazy person? And then you kind of just see. And and also Mistress America, I particularly loved. I love those costumes and that. I love that cast and that. You know, I just, for me, it's, I'm kind of under the she can do no wrong. I totally agree with you. She's just terrific. And I, as I said, I can't really can't wait to see her in White Noise. And what's great here too is Don Cheadle is in the film as well. And That's I can, uh, I grew up in the neighborhood and went to the same high school as Don Cheadle, so I can claim that I'm not from Massachusetts. This was in Denver, Colorado. <laughs> nice. Uh, but yes, no. So I love Don as a performer. I love always watching him on screen because whatever he does, it's so interesting. And he is a great match here with Adam Driver, and it's really, really, really fun. And also, I. I am going to shout out two of the kids because, fun fact, the children of Alessandro Nivola and Emily Mortimer, Sam and May Nivola, are in White Noise and very good. So I feel like not only do we get a brilliant film, we also get a new generation of talent here. So it's kind of a little bit of a family affair, which is really fun. Okay, one thing I have to talk about is... I think we're both kids of the 80s, mm-hmm. so it is so delicious to be back in the 80s because this film does take place in 1985, and it is so great to see those station wagons, those hair, the hair, the clothes, the glasses, and there are a lot of fun things that um, were so reminiscent to me. It just came flooding back, uh, and I'm not going to do any spoilers, but there are some moments if if you're familiar, uh, if you live through that time or if you're obsessed with that time, you will not be disappointed. Um, well, Krista, you are making a great transition again because um, we're going to be talking about The Crown, which takes place in the 90s. And I was obsessed with all the 90s references that are coming up this season. Perfect transition. That <laughs> is like you're you're coming back on the show, Henry. <laughs> Uh, Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about it. The crown. Let's just get right in there. It's just a gift that keeps on giving. I mean, the fact that if we would have thought about that, like like in our old jobs, it's a series about the royal family, and it's going to change casts every two years. Nope, never. There's going to be a different (laughs) queen, and you know, trust me on this. It's real life characters, but actors are going to be playing them, and they're not blah 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 blah, so on and so forth. It would have just been immediately dismissed as it would have madness. laughed in their faces. A hundred percent agree with you. Cut to award-winning, nominated, beyond popular, beyond. It's like it actually kind of changed the whole genre of series television because we've never seen anything like this done before. And everyone bought in because it was so brilliantly done, so brilliantly written and cast. You know, Peter Morgan's a genius. I mean, the fact that he created this universe so seamlessly pulled from all of these giant moments in history that we all remember and wove them into this dramatic 
narrative that made you feel you're you were right there with them. And I know that it's not like this isn't a documentary, obviously, but I can't get enough and I'm already upset because I know it's ending. <laughs> Crystal, let's actually um, let audiences rest assured. Like there was not a beat missed with this new cast. Like they are just incredible. They slip into these roles. I found Imelda Staunton like I'm like, oh, she's been the queen since the beginning. And of course she hasn't, but she just slides into the role. And you're so, just, it's so thrilling to see all of them. Elizabeth, Elizabeth DeBecky as Diana is um, outstanding and transformative and exactly okay, what I need you to want know to more. Be. Come on, I need to know more. Does she get the lilt and the tilt? Is it just, do you believe you're watching Diana? You believe you're watching Diana, yeah. Um, she looks, and again, I, I want to be careful about spoilers, but she looks so stunning in the revenge dress. I think it's been public that we will see the revenge dress, and she looks stunning in it. It's um, beautiful. Okay, I have another fun fact. Okay, and this might be a humble brag, or I don't know, whatever it is, but I was nobody from Nobody'sville. While I was at Vanity Fair, I happened to be present at that event where she did wear the revenge (gasps) dress because Graydon Carter... Editor-in-chief of Vanity Fair, right? Obviously the greatest editor-in-chief, in my opinion. Vanity Fair used to host an event at the Serpentine Gallery, which is this incredibly chic gallery in the middle of the park. And it's got this driveway. And also from someone from Denver, Colorado, who had relocated to New York City as an assistant. Of and course. I happened to be in London and was... Um, was at this event, you you would say now staffed at the event, but I was the assistant at the event and remembering, uh, I still remember the moment of seeing her in that dress and just being gobsmacked and obviously fangirling would be the word for it now, right, of, of, of seeing her in the flesh. And there is a photo that exists somewhere of the back of my head next to Dominic Dunn talking to... Um, Lady Diana. <laughs> I want to find that photo so badly. That's extraordinary. But it, I remember that moment. And I will say, uh, although my time was limited, I don't want to oversell anything here uh, in her presence. She was just, it's its the thing that we do talk about in Hollywood all the time, that charisma, that yeah. X factor, that, that quality that bounces around the room and just creates this, this swirl of energy. Uh, she had it. And it's the same thing of, of actors that pop off the plexiglass. You know, what is it that makes someone pop off the television screen more than others or in the film or whatever? She had it, all of it. And I, I just can't wait for this. And and let's just face it, the 90s were the best, the right? The 90s were the best. And <laughs> there's, there's a moment where a Mariah Carey song is playing in the background. And you just like, you're just all transported um, to it. And I think what's going to be so enjoyable about the season is there's so many of us who can who just remember it all and like remember it as it was happening and like the fashions, the fashions, the music, the styles, the just the the tabloid press, just all of it. We're, it's all it's all in our conscience. And it's all gonna be so interesting to revisit. And they do such a great job in the episodes I've seen so far. Uh, okay, so we also get Wills, right? We get the kids here. Yes. It's the 90s. Yes, we sure do. And what's interesting is Dominic West, who plays Charles, his real-life oldest son is playing his son on screen. Oh, my God. It's like a family. I mean, it's kind of exciting. We've been around so long, Henry. We're getting the second generation. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of amazing. That's great. Let me ask you now, what is the thing you miss most about the 90s when you're watching this? I mean, other than... You know, obviously, we all love a good shoulder pad. But what would you bring back if you could? Oh, the music for sure. When that Mariah Carey song came on, that just took me back. There was also something very 
God, I hate this word, but I'm going to use it anyway, quaint about the 90s before all of the phones and all the internet and the power of the press and like how they're freaking out over a headline in the paper. And again, I don't want to give anything away, but there's a whole episode that's devoted to them freaking out over a headline in one of the tabloids. And it just it just took it took me back as somebody in the media at that time. I miss it. I miss it a lot. Oh, I know. I, I I would have to say I miss most the landline. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Remember we had pagers and you'd have to run to a bay phone and call the number. And, and then when the BlackBerry came out, and it was just like, and everyone was so attached to the BlackBerry. It was called the Crackberry. Yep. I mean, and just think of us now. We're, we're, we're not even recognizable to what we were then. I mean, Krista, can you remember the size of your first cell phone? I'm sure mine was like a brick or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Drilled into my car, actually. Like, <laughs> <I forgot laughs> that's how big those, it was. Yeah, sure. <laughs> that's when I first had come to L.A. And I was like, what? Oh, my God, this is a cell phone in a car. It was like living out of a, you know, one of those movies. And, but it looked so glamorous at the time. Nothing was more oh. glamorous than a cell phone in a car. <laughs> Oh, it's so, so true. I know. All right. Well, I am desperately looking forward to The the Crown. It's going to be great. All right. So, Henry, Olivia Coleman. I mean, we didn't think Claire Foy could be beat. And then Olivia Coleman was cast, you know, was so exciting. And she just come into our, uh, you know, kind of the Hollywood zeitgeist. And everyone was enamored with Olivia Coleman. She just won an Oscar. Yes. And she's brilliant, funny, and talented. She seemed like no one could be better than Olivia Coleman as the queen. <laughs> <laughs> so now I need to know. We have Imelda Staunton. Tell me, what am I going to think when Imelda Staunton now takes the, uh, the role? Imelda Staunton is so good. And she She's so reminiscent of the queen that we see now and the queen we remember from the 90s. I do need to give a little plug to Olivia Coleman, who was so good in Netflix's Heartstopper. Did you have a chance? Oh, to... yes. Yes. She has this unexpected role. And if you haven't seen Heartstopper, add it to your list. It's just extraordinary. And Olivia's really good in it. Okay, so Jonathan Price now comes in as Prince Philip. So he's taking over for Tobias Menzies. Okay, so tell me, how is Jonathan Price? Jonathan Price is great. There's an interesting friendship that his character develops with somebody else. Again, I don't want to give a lot of spoilers, but that's where the first few episodes go. And it's really interesting, fun and intriguing to watch. Now, Vanessa Kirby, when she came on in the first one as Princess Margaret, it was like a star was born. Yeah. And she has credited that with completely changing the course of her career. Then, of course, Helena Bottom Carter, okay, comes on in the, in the, the, the 2.0 version. Okay, mm-hmm. right? So now in the 3.0 version, we have one of my all-time favorite actresses in Leslie Manville, who is just brilliant and I think actually doesn't get enough recognition uh, for how good and uh, and talented and how much range she has. So Princess Margaret, please tell me we've got something coming with, we've with got, that. Yeah, we've got something coming. The thing that so impresses me about Leslie is how do you follow Helena Bonham Carter? Like she's such a totally. she's she's such a she's the actress equivalent of a statement piece. Like mm-hmm. she's just so unique and um so herself. And Leslie does a wonderful job. I mean, this thing is just impeccably, impeccably cast. I hope it gets the Emmy um, recognition it deserves for casting in these particular seasons because it's great. There's one other person I'd love to point out, which is Olivia Williams, who's taking the role of Camilla Parker Bowes. And genius. So good. I love I mean, she has everything down, down to that shag haircut that is just like perfectly replicated. The intimate moments 
that were captured between her and Charles, you are going to get to see in their full oh. glory. It just takes you back to a certain time. I just really want to shout out Olivia Williams because she's um amazing. Love Olivia Williams, yeah. another great British. I mean, it's so good. This is going to be, as the kids say, must-see TV, or is that in the 90s? I think that was a Friends. <laughs> I think that was a back to the 90s. That's Wasn't a that a tagline? So it's it's appropriate for um, The Crown because we're in the 90s. This is must-see TV. Well, those are only three of the many exciting films and programs that are headed down the pipeline this fall from Netflix. Henry, we're going to have to have you back on. There's so much more to discuss. I never thought this would be so much fun. Uh, Krista, uh, thank you. I would sit here and talk TV and film with you for hours. Thank you all for listening. It's been such a pleasure to get to sit here with Henry and discuss not only these titles, but the 80s and 90s nostalgia that they bring up. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for joining me. I'm Krista Smith, your host and creator of the show. Skip Intro is produced and edited by Isabel Arricchio and engineered by Dave Corwin. Special thanks to our coordinator, Alyssa Hillman. Please subscribe, rate, and review Skip Intro wherever you've been listening. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Krista Smith. If you enjoy the podcast, please go to NetflixQ.com for more. That's NetflixQueUE.com. <laughs> 